Today, I'll be talking with a man who is the very picture of physical strength. A man who is not only a successful actor, but who also has many other notable accolades to his name. You may know him as Lugo, the fearsome Roman-crushing rebel from the Spartacus series. He's great, warrior! And Lugo follow! He's a man of outstanding health and physical fitness, who also played the role of Les Foster on Shortland Street, as well as many other recognisable roles. Cheers. You're the doctor. He's a screenwriter, a director, he'd started his own film company, and he's also a revered author, with books such as the highly acclaimed Nowhere Man and Dead Man's Land, both of which have been received with rave reviews. You're there with the fancy weapons you picked on my two little brothers. Uh, I don't know what your brothers told you, all right, but I didn't want to fight Starring alongside fight some you. big Hollywood names, it appeared that up until September 2021, that there was nothing that would ever stop this optimistic dynamo from continuing in his success. Until this happened. The actor, who was familiar with the role of a fictional warrior, now finds himself in the role of a real-life warrior, in a battle he wishes was fiction. Barry Duffield is far more than his professional achievements. In talking with him, I've learned that beyond these things, he's a truly beautiful soul, and he's a survivor. And he wants to tell a story, in case, as he says in his own words, his story might help even one other person. Hi there. I'm about to play you a chat that I had with this wonderful man from a couple of months ago now. But after that segment finishes, there'll be an update from Barry, so stay tuned for an important development in regards to his current situation. But right now, let me introduce you to Barry Duffield. Hi, Barry. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's wonderful to meet you. Hi, Sam. Wonderful to meet you too. Now, many people watching this today will recognize you as Lugo from Spartacus and Les from Shortland Street, just to name a couple. How long have you been working in the industry, Barry? I've been working in the acting industry since about 1987, 88. I think I did a Kawasaki commercial first. I was still in the Air Force at the time, and it was a secondary job for me. When I left the Air Force in 93, I took that up full time. Then I went to film school, and um, I, this is why I ended up in New Zealand. I came here to go to film school, so I ended up at South Seas Film and Television School, and I, um, I learned how to be a scriptwriter, which is what I do currently as well. I am a novelist. Oh, that's right. Yeah. How many books have you written again? Geographic novels and a novel. And they're doing really well, too, from what I can see. And did I hear you just say you're not from New Zealand originally? No, I'm an Australian. Oh, I see. You didn't tell me that bit before, Barry. Don't shut, don't shut it all down now. <laughs> No. Obviously, you've seen the light and you're here now. That's the main thing. 
Um, so it was your career that brought you to New Zealand, I see. And what an impressive career it's been. And I have to say, at the risk of sounding a little bit dodgy, um, it's not only your career that's impressive, but what's also rather impressive is your physique. That's, that's so sleazy. <laughs> what can I say? Um, I'm not checking you out. I'm just not blind. <laughs> um, no, I was a competition bodybuilder for a lot of years. Fitness is my, I'm, I'm a gym bunny. Yeah, right. You work at a gym, is that right? Yeah, my day job is a gym. Okay. In between, in between acting gigs and writing gigs, I work in a gym. Okay, right. Yep. So, sadly, all of this came to a bit of a grinding halt about a year ago after you received the COVID-19 jab. Is that fair to say? 16th of September. So on the 17th of September, my life changed completely. So since the very next day, it's been a nightmare ever since then. Yeah, you know, in and out of hospital for 13, 14 months. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. How many of the jabs did you take? I mean, receive? Two. Two? Was the first one okay? Yeah, I was fine. I was still training at home. We're, we went through the lockdowns and um, I have my own gym equipment at home. So I was training pretty much flat out from the first one. I, I actually thought it was a breeze. I thought, oh, I don't know what the fuss was about. Second yeah. one, that, that wasn't the same call. Yeah, I've heard that from a few people, actually. They're quite reassured by the first one and, and all ready to go for the second one, you know, and that's when it all goes pear-shaped. Um, I travel as part of my job too. So part of my job is I'm um, doing, because of Spartacus, I got to travel to the States and to Europe for conventions. So I right. had a couple coming up um, that following year, so 2022 to travel. And I thought I had to take it. I had to take it for my job if I wanted to keep the job in the gym and I had to take it if I wanted to travel. So luckily I wasn't mandated that I couldn't get on a plane or have a job. Oh, well, if you'd known then what you know now, oh. actually, if it wasn't for the mandates, would you have taken it for your own personal? No, 100% no. No. You know, look, I looked at this thing and, I, and as it was coming out and unrolling and it was 99% chance of surviving and 1% chance of you're going to die from it. I was prepared mm. to take the 99%. Yep. I think people have forgotten that that were the stats. There was 1% chance of you dying from this. We don't even really know about that 1% if it was true or not. I mean, they haven't exactly been honest about anything else, have yeah, exactly they? Exactly right. So you took the jab, um, like you said, you felt like you had to. And then uh, what happened after that? Could you give us a bit of a run through about what happened to you after that? Well, you know, to start with, it, was, it wasn't that I thought I had to. It wasn't about protecting It wasn't about protecting anyone else. It was no jab, no job, no jab, no travel, no jab, no social right. life. Gotcha. Uh, I was all prepared to... Um, go back to work and just let them jab the people that were high risk, jab the elderly if they needed to, if they wanted to do that and those people wanted it. I was, I was, who might have stayed in their way, but I didn't want it. For me, it was the first jab. I literally sat in, in the, up at Birkenhead in the center for it. And I, and I was chastising myself for being a sheep. I just did not want to take it. The second one was at um, North Shore in the Shore City Mall. And it was the day after, literally the day after, I couldn't get out of my seat. I went into what was like chronic fatigue syndrome, and it's the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. For up to six weeks, I couldn't move. I, I didn't train, and I'm a, I'm a six-day-a-week training guy. So it, for me, it's inbuilt into me. I couldn't get out of my seat. I tried to walk on the treadmill, so my wife said, you've got to get up, you've got to move. Mm -hmm. If I walked on the treadmill, I would block in my esophagus so that I couldn't burp, I couldn't pass wind here. And it built up so badly, it was like a balloon under my esophagus. And I had to get off the machine and I had to find a position to release the gas. 
Then my legs filled up with water. I was getting heart palpitations. I couldn't walk up and down my driveway. I couldn't rest my head on a pillow because my neck hurt so badly. Um, I got skin crawling, so it still feels like that. It's like something's moving under my skin. Um, it, it was horrific. And then I got, I'd had a hand injury because I still ride motocross. And I didn't realize that the tremors I was getting were, I thought they were from that. So I didn't associate all of those until months later. But after all of this stuff, I finally, I got to my doctor pretty quick, but we went into that big lockdown again around September, October. I couldn't get to my doctor. And when I, I rang it through and my doctor got me an appointment to see a cardiologist, that took four months to see a cardiologist where I was heart palpitations, breathless, couldn't go up and down my goggles. I mean, it, it sounds to me like if I say it back, that's someone who's about to have a heart attack. So Exactly. It certainly does. Then I was, when I did finally get to see a cardiologist, the day that I was in his office, he looked at my ECG, he took my blood pressure, and his exact words, he said, Mr. Duffield, you can go home if you want to, but I would advise you not to. I would advise you to follow my nurse across the road to the cardiac ward because if you go home, I will not be responsible for what happens to you. So I went to the ward and I was in the ward for a week and they did every heart examination they could. Now, I've got to tell you straight up and down, I have, I have lived a life. I've been a competition bodybuilder, so I've done everything that goes with that. Um, I have had a hard party life and I have taken things that some people will think were insane, but I've managed to dodge a bullet. When I went into the hospital, the very first thing they did was they tried to label it as cardiac myopathy, so thickening of the left ventricle because of weightlifting and steroid use. Now, this is true, but the way that they framed it is to say that after 40 years of training, the day after the jab, everything that you've done to yourself has caught up with you right there. So they blamed it on, on lifestyle. And I can tell you this, when they look at me and the, the doctors look at me and he said, well, you're on steroids. And I go, yes, I am, but I'm on prescribed steroids through my doctor. So I don't function without them. So, um, and so I'm on a minimum dose of a thing called Sustanon, and they tried to label it as that. So when I finally got out of the hospital, I had all these outpatients tests to go with it. And then I was at dinner one night with my wife, and I went to the bathroom. And I felt anxious all day, so I couldn't really work this out. But I went to the bathroom, and I couldn't pass urine. And then I went back to the table and sat down, but I really wanted to go, but I couldn't go. And so I said to her, I've, I've got to go back. I went back to the bathroom again and I just passed blood. And I went back to the table and I was shaking so badly and I was so white. She drove me home and I said, she said, I'm going to take you to the hospital. I said, I, I don't want to go to the hospital. Just let me see if this is just a, a, a just some sort of virus or infection and I can get rid of it over the next few days. So I almost killed myself by being, um, by being stubborn. But um, when she finally got me to the hospital, they gave me everything to flush this all out. I was in the hospital and they said, we'll um, give you a, a kidney scan. And so we're going to keep you in an extra night. Now, I didn't want to be there at all. I didn't want to be in the hospital. I've got a lack of faith of them now. So I'm in the hospital and they said, I'm going to give you a kidney scan. Within an hour of that doctor telling me I was going to have a kidney scan, I was on my way to ADSU to be discharged. So I said to the nurse, um, I'm supposed to get a, can a scan. And she said, no, well, things change. We're going to discharge you and you'll get that as an outpatient. So I'm in that bed waiting to go. I'm literally 10 feet away. And I hear the rounds doctor come in and it was six o'clock at night. 
I hear him say to his um, staff that are going around with him, this is a, this patient works at a gym, da, da, he's, um, he's a bodybuilder, I can hear him. So he's talking about me. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Now, they just took me up to um, an antibiotic, so they were pumping into me. So I was on a drip, so it was a really heavy stuff, and I was throwing up. I had to go and get a cup of a cleaner because no one came. And I can hear one of the, the, the ward people that are with him, like one of the, the trainee doctors, saying, are you sure we should be letting this guy, this guy go home? And without word of a lie, and I still don't understand it to this day why, but without a word of a lie, he went, well, you know, that's okay because sometimes people lie. What? I have no idea what I was supposed to be lying about, but apparently I wanted to stay in their five-star hotel another day. What is so disgusting. I jumped on the phone before they'd even come to check me, and I'm onto my wife, and they'd just come in, they dropped me a um, anti-nausea tablet. So as it settled down, I jumped on the phone to my wife, and I said, I'm in the process of packing my bag. I don't care, and there was a lot of bad language here, so they must have been able to hear me. I don't care what they're going to decide to do now, but I'm leaving this hospital now. And she's saying, well, you should be staying until you get this this test. I said, I'm, no, I'm, I'm absolutely not. And the charge nurse came in, and she said, why are you getting dressed? I said, because I'm not staying here. And listening to that shit. I said, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going home. So they just charged me. I never saw that kidney scan, ever. Really? Um, it took a couple of months for everything to start coming right again so I could actually pee properly. And um, then I got back and back home, and they finally got me an appointment to see a tremor specialist. So they labelled this, so the, the shaking of the hands. They labelled this Parkinson's disease. Now I've got a, it's gone to my right hand. It was in my eyes, but they put me on a drug, a drug called Cinemet. And the doctor said to me at the time, the, neuro, the neurologist said to me, Cinemet is the least effective drug as far as side effects go. There is another drug I could put you on, but that other drug has got really horrendous side effects. And, and I can tell you after I tell you this story, if you want to avoid Cinemet, the other one is like going to hell. Right. So... They put me on the Cinemet, and you start Cinemet with a half a tablet, and then you do that for a week, and then you do two half tablets, and then you do three half tablets until about six or seven weeks in where you're doing three whole tablets. So I got to halfway through that, and I was having horrendous nightmares. Um, it was making no difference to the shaking. And I said to um, – I sent a email to the doctor, and I said, um, hey, this is what's happening to me. And he said, well, you can come off. So I'm in his – in his service or in his favor that he did say me, you can come off. And then the week before I see you, we'll go back on again. And then you can, um, we can see what the drug's doing to you. So we'll have a week back on. And then I got a email from his staff and I've got the email on record here that says, Cinemet has none of the effects that you're talking about attached to it. So whatever it is that you're thinking, um, it's not because of the Cinemet. Oh, okay. So I went, well, pull your big boy pants up and we'll stay on it. So I stayed on. And I took it all the way up to where it was full dose. Now, I lost touch of myself. I started looking in the mirror, and I have no idea who was looking back at me. It was so disassociative. And then I went to work on about a month ago. It was a Thursday. And I um, I opened the gym early in the morning, and then it was about 9 o'clock, and I had to hand my radio over to someone else to go home an hour early because I was so depressed. It was it was horrendous. It was just like someone had opened a black hole in me, but it was this had been creeping up on me for weeks. So sorry. And I went home. It's awful. And I said to my wife, just don't talk to me. I just need to go upstairs and I just need to sleep. So I went up to my bedroom. I took a cinnamon. So I took one of the Parkinson's drug and I took two sleeping tablets 
And that was all I remember until I woke up in ICU. And in the ICU, I found out that I'd taken every sleeping tablet in my house. And then I tried to hang myself in my own cupboard. The only reason that I'm able to talk to you now is that I was too messed up on the drugs to be able to tie the knot properly. So my wife had found me after I crawled out of the cupboard and I'd end up in the shower and um, I had the cold water running in there for about four hours and I was just blue on the bottom of the shower and it took them oh, four ambulance drivers to get me out of that house and get me to hospital. And then I um, ended up on the suicide watch list. So um, and now as a byproduct of that, so I quit the drug straight away and got off the cinnamon. I looked it up and I sent this email to the neurologist where the side effects for cinnamon were depression, anxiety, hallucinations, suicidal thoughts. I said, how can you not tell someone that? What? So... I sent that email to him and then he rang me and he spent a good hour or so apologizing for not letting me know. But I said it was too late. Exactly. But he, I nearly nearly turned my wife into a widow. So I got hammered by the vaccine. And then for the, the effects the vaccine gave me, they gave me a drug that nearly killed me. So wow. that's my story. Wow. Just, wow. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that with me, Barry. I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Um, so basically, you were in a position where you either suffer from the tremors or take this medication. That was the two choices you that had. That was the choice I had. Right. Yeah, and, now, and now they've even changed their mind about Parkinson's. So they don't think that this is Parkinson's. They think that this is what they call Parkinisms. And then they changed their mind on that. And they hooked me up to see a, hand spe a tremor specialist. So they have no idea. I know what it is. It all started down my left arm and it all started at the same time and it's the same arm I had the jab in. Whether that, that be because of the vaccine or whether it be because they didn't, um, oh God, what's it called when they don't pull the needle back and they pump it straight into the blood? Aspirate? Aspirate the needle, exactly that. So it could be one of those, but they don't care and they're not looking. So I spent 14 months exactly. going down this tunnel of them going, well, it's, it can't be that. We don't want to look at that. They don't want to look at it. Yeah, you're so right. Um, it's just wicked. And because all the medical professionals with integrity, the ones who could see the obvious, have been mandated out, the only ones who remain to help us are deceived out of ignorance or willful blindness or they've taken their position and they don't want to budge on that. Um, I believe that was part of the plan so that when people like yourself came in injured by the jab, there wouldn't be any health professionals there anymore with the intelligence or the integrity to sound the alarm about what's being done to people. Um, but I want to touch on something you mentioned, Barry, where you said you went to sleep and the next thing you remember, you woke up in the ICU. Are you saying you don't remember going to that closet? You don't remember zero, any of that? Zero memory. So do you remember a conscious thought of wanting to end your life? Nope. Wow, that's scary. Now I'm on the other side of that coin, I have no conscious thought of wanting to end my life now. Now that's wonderful to hear. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, did you before? Do you have a history of depression or mental illness? No, anybody who knows me, they'll just say to you, this guy is the um, is an absolute um, oh, 
I'm sorry, I'm losing my words now. Oh, you're doing really well. You're doing a great job, actually. <laughs> I'm the guy that would fall off the 80-story building and each floor you pass, I'm going, so far, so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, it's just incredible to me. You're talking about, you know, you've got serious heart issues, extreme fatigue, the tremors, and they're trying to convince you that it's all just coincidental that all of this started right after the jab, the day after. I had to look at my doctor. Initially, my doctor just rolled his eyes and pretty much laughed at all of this. He's not laughing anymore. There's no, there's no way. There's, there's nothing that they can find to connect it to. But I had to look at him and I said, how many times do you go tree, 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 tree before you go, oh, shit, it's a forest? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's next level negligence, isn't it? I mean, actually, it's beyond negligence. It's aiding and abetting grievous bodily harm actually, and potentially even death. Sam, well, like I said, I've, I've led quite a raucous kind of life. I've always, always maintained my health. So I've always um, stayed on top of that and always had checkups. And I've never had an issue. I've, I've never been in hospital for anything other than um, I had a disc removed. Um, as far as my health goes and my system and my cardiac system and my respiratory system, never an issue, never had a mental issue. I've never been depressed. Mm -hmm. I've never, well, not clinically depressed. Yeah. Um, I've never been on any drugs for that. Yeah. Um, suddenly, on the, suddenly on the 16th or 17th of September, everything changes. There's only one thing in there, but they refuse to look at that. Yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely inhuman. <laughs> you know, and this is the whammy that people keep re receiving after enduring the physical injury from the jab is then going to the people that you think will help you and then, like you said, laughing at you. You're telling you you're thing, lying. The hardest, oh, the hardest thing is the frustration of dealing with that. The heartbreaking thing mm. is when you deal with that from, from friends and family. You know, I've got friends, friends that I was in the Air Force with way back in the early days, and, and they're so ingrained in their belief of their government and belief of their media and belief of their medical system mm. that they will turn on their friends about it. And posting mm. things on Facebook to say, you know, anybody who's unvaccinated is on, is on the other side of a, some kind of glorious, colourful rainbow. Yeah, We're, and we have celebrities and public figures literally saying that not only are these unvaccinated people hanging out on the other side of this glorious rainbow and frolicking with unicorns, but they actually don't even deserve to walk the earth. They don't deserve any rights. They don't even deserve medical treatment because they are the enemy. It's absolutely astonishing. <laughs> I know you mentioned to me too, Barry, um, a friend of yours suggested that you go and have a holiday and maybe that'll help, you know, and so off you went on a beautiful tropical holiday. Did it help you, Barry? I, I have an amazing friend who just, he, he didn't just suggest it, he booked everything and he wow. paid for everything. And I, I won't name him because he'd hate me if I did, um, but I will never, ever forget him. But I can imagine being in paradise and this was like first class all the way. So I'm on this beautiful beret on the beach in such anxiety that I couldn't appreciate where I was. I'm crying my eyes out in paradise on the beach because I'm having anxiety attacks. I mean, it's insane. I'm so sorry. It's just terrible. But it's not you that's insane, and this is beyond insanity. Anyway, this is what I'd call evil. This is, you know, insane almost implies that they don't have the mental capacity to join the dots, but they do. They just refuse to. 
The evidence is all there. Oh, you know what, Sam? I agree with you because right now, I'm, I might have gone with stupidity. I might have gone with blind greed. Right now, in, my, in this country, around the world, they're, they're showing what's happening. Around the world, you've got things mm. like the European Union with mm. Robert Bruce coming out and showing what Pfizer mm. did. And in this country, they're doubling down. Yes. And how could they? With all this evidence in their faces, you know, on government databases, for goodness sake. And why would they? Unless they're actually okay with the harm that's being inflicted on people. You know, you apologized to me on the phone earlier about being upset, uh, angry, you know, about what's happened to you. But obviously you have every right to be angry. We have figures well up into the millions of excess deaths internationally. All this watching that. Right, yeah. And then there's all these devastating health injuries like your own. And on top of that, we're being told, threatened uh, through mechanisms like the Know the Sign Security Service in Initiative that if we express our anger or our grief, we will be punished. Sam, I believe that Jacinda used to work at a fish and chip shop when she was coming up, right? Yeah. I want to see her go back to that. <laughs> if, she's, if she's ever allowed into a position of power again, God help us. I've voted for her. Well, you didn't know that. I voted for her. So I've been apologizing for the last two years. You don't need to apologize. You were lied to. <laughs> they spent decades engineering and fine-tuning this plan, exploring the most effective ways to deceive and coerce us. You know, it's like when you said it before, where you were talking about chastising yourself for being a sheep for receiving the jab. You don't have anything to chastise yourself for, Barry. They flat out lied, bullied and coerced you. <laughs> you know, I remember telling uh, one of my friends a couple of years ago, what a lovely person she seemed to be. You know, I had no idea. How could any of us have known back then that she was a homicidal globalist maniac? I no, had no idea. As well. She was great with the film industry. She raised our tax um, tax thresholds for film, something like 25% when we were really in the tank. I think we just lost, um, we right. weren't going to get the Lord of the Rings uh, yeah. shot here. It was way back in that day. Right. And she stood up for the filmies. So all those filmies were going like, yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. That's their slimy little game now, isn't it? You know, do all these lovely things and get you on side. And it's all really just to pave the way for them to be able to carry out their real agenda. But actually, Barry, you also mentioned to me uh, something about some communication with a police friend of Luxon's. Did he contact you about your experience or something? A friend of mine put me through to um, a guy that works with Chris Luxon. So they said they were collating stories of people who've been injured. Okay. And I gave him my story. And, uh, and then I went back to my friend and said, I've never heard from him. And they went back to him and said, oh, we haven't heard it. So I fired it back through to him again. Never heard a word. Really? <laughs> Disgusting. But you know, I believe that Chris Luxon, no, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Chris Luxon's vaccine policy is supposed to be tighter or harder than Jacinda's was. Oh, yeah. I believe you're onto it there, Barry, you know? I mean, he's, he said it in plain English, didn't he? He'd mandate even the beneficiaries. No, yeah, he he's a globalist. Homicidal globalist like the rest of them. <laughs> but yeah, I'd understand. I can understand why you'd call him an idiot. Personally, I don't think he's an idiot. I think he's very intelligent. I think he's the next phase enforcer. That's my opinion. I mean, he said he'd mandate all work as well as getting a benefit. So you wouldn't be able to work and you wouldn't be able to receive a benefit either if you didn't receive the jab and working for families. So no jab, no income at all. That was his words. <laughs> so in regards to the government, actually, Barry, 
How do you feel now about what they said from, you know, the 1 p.m. podium of all truth, that this jab was 90% effective and 100% safe and that it would not harm you? Now we know that all of that was a lie. Now we know that all of that was a lie and people were hurt because of this. What happens to them? Nothing. Yeah, I hear you, Barry. But they will see justice, whether it's human or divine or both. They will. Um, I hope you know that. But for now, anyway, what's your outlook for your future, for your life? Are you able to work at the moment, Barry? I'm still working in the gym, but because I'm having these anxiety attacks, and I've got to hope they go away because they're, they're horrible. So do I. Um, I. I was at a manager's meeting today, and I just broke up. I just couldn't, I couldn't even complete it. Uh, I don't know whether my employees will keep me on under those circumstances. I can't audition for a role under these circumstances because unless I'm auditioning for a guy who's got Parkinson's. Um, I can still do voice work, but it's limited. It's so unfair. I may end up on a sickness beneficiary, and to me that would be the worst nightmare I could ever think of. But um, I, it won't stop me writing, and I've I've got a couple of projects in development in Australia, so hopefully that's my future forward, and then it won't make any difference whether I'm shaky or not. But as far as acting, it's pretty much canned that for you? Oh, I, think, I think that's the end of it for me now. I'm so sorry. It's just so unfair. You know, even if I go for an audition and it's and it's the shakiness that doesn't put them off, it puts me off. I can feel yep. it happening and my self-confidence yep. is through the floor. It's so sad. Um, must be devastating for you. But when it comes to your tremors, would you say that they're getting better or worse? Or? Well, they seem to be connected to my adrenal system. So if I get anxious or upset, it goes nuts. It was all in my left hand to start. Now it started in my right hand. And I had eye twitches as well, but they disappeared as soon as I came off the cinema. No, in answer to the question, no, they're not getting any better. They're getting worse. Really? I'm so sorry. But I do hope you can take some encouragement um, by knowing that what you're doing today has got to have a positive effect, you know, speaking out. People can't view this and remain unaware. I hope that brings some consolation to you knowing that you're helping other people in such a significant way. Sam, if it helps one person. Exactly, Barry. I'm going to be happy. Exactly. <laughs> That's my ethos as well. Yeah. Sam, when you're talking about positivity of the future, I have got an amazing wife. She stood by me through everything. And it's we've been married for 26 years, headed towards 27. <laughs> uh, every time that we hit adversity, we get stronger and stronger and stronger. And she's just wow. stood up with me the whole way through this. I don't think I would have made it without her. In fact, I know I wouldn't have made it without her. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, she must be a really special lady. And I'm just so glad to hear that you have her. Yeah, she's married to a dreamer, so she's um, she's been through some rough times. <laughs> well, I'm sure she'd say it's been more than worth it. And she must really love you. <laughs> but it does make you think, though, doesn't it, you know, about all those people out there that are going through this alone. So what about Sam? I really, it, it makes me scared for all the people out there that are on these sort of drugs that they've put me on. I mean, I mean, the vaccine, for instance, is a great example of it. But the Cinemet as a sideline is, is that I thought I was insane. I thought I was going crazy. How many other people are out there doing this and they think that they're nuts and it's the drug yeah. that's got them on the edge? Yes. 
you know, especially when you consider the suicide rates skyrocketing all over the world the way they are. Honestly, you know, I look at Big Pharma in a very different light to what I used to. I barely trust taking a Panadol these days, to I be honest. I don't trust my politicians, I don't trust the media, and I definitely do not trust Big, um, big Pharma. It's been, a, it's been an eye-opener for me over the last yeah. three years or so, because I was, mm. there wasn't a political bone in my body. Same. Now I consume politics. Yeah, I was the same. Uh, it seemed a bit irrelevant because they're all just a bunch of liars anyway, and I just ignored them. Didn't really think that affected my life too much. But now... You'd be voting for the lesser of two evils with your party and never really paid any attention to what their agendas were. Yeah. Now, now I'm, they're under a microscope. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Yeah. Well, Barry, is there anything else you'd like to share with us here today before we wrap up? No, that's pretty much my story so far, Sam. Thank you so much for speaking out today. Um, what do you know? Your courage and your heart are even bigger than your muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thank you for giving me the platform to be able to do this. And like I said, if it helps one person, then job done. Absolutely. But I get the feeling that you're going to help way more than one person, but you're right. Um, I'll leave the last word to you. What would you say to someone if they told you if they, they were just nipping off down to the old vac station because they're giving away free cheeseburgers with jabs at the moment, and so they're about to get themselves and their children boosted? What would you say to those people? I try to tell them my story, Sam, but my story may not be their, their story. I mean, I can't tell them not to take it. I can only tell them what happened to me. Um, I, I, God, would I... I, you know, I, I, I toy this over in my head. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've had every vaccine ever taken. mRNA scares the shit out of me. Yeah. As well as all the other little nasties that we're learning about that are in there. The moment all those voices got silenced, that's what woke me up. The Robert Malone's and the Peter McCulloch's when their voices got silenced. Mm, then I started mm, listening mm. to them. That was probably the most stupid thing that the, any of the governments did, was to shut those voices down. That's because the right. moment they did that, we all started paying attention. The, the heavy censoring did give the game away right from the start, but I guess in a way they didn't really have a choice because they knew it wouldn't be long before the data started coming out. So they had to act quickly and condition people's minds as fast as they could to believe that all of these guys are just crazy quacks, you know, and that um, only they could be believed. Only they were the one source of truth. The one source of truth, yeah. Yeah, do you remember when Jacinda said this? She said, um, when the reporter said to her, um, I know that you probably don't see it like this, but it looks like you're trying to start, establish a two-tier system with the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And she said, no, no, no. That's exactly, exactly what I'm what doing. That's coming from the woman who said, I will never mandate. The one that really got me was when she said, oh, we'll move to the um, out to the orange traffic light system and then you'll be able to go to your friend's place and you'll be able to use their indoor toilet and it's luxury. I thought, what a condescending bitch. And people were like, oh, thank you, Jacinda. You are just way too kind to us peasants, you know. <laughs> How quickly and easily so many of us were just brainwashed, just lost our minds. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Barry. Um, I, for one, want to apologize to you for what's being done to you. It's so wrong and so unfair. And if I could get my arms around you, I'd give you a big hug on behalf of everyone watching. <laughs> it's a virtual hug. Oh, I think you better get ready because there's going to be lots of virtual hugs coming your way. <laughs> and I just want to let you know that you are not alone. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for speaking with Thank me you. today. Bye Thanks, for now. Sam. Bye. Bye.
Well, hello again, Barry. Thank you for joining me again for this little update. Thanks, Sam, and um, Merry Christmas Eve. Thank you. Merry Christmas Eve to you too. <laughs> now, I've just played our previous interview, Barry, so everyone's heard your story up to now at this point, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, so could you tell us, how are you now? What symptoms are you left with today? Has anything changed for you since we talked last? Well, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I've been back to another neurologist and they want to send me off to a psych ward, which is understandable considering what happened. Um, so I, the psych ward means the uh, mental health unit here and I have to go and see them to get cleared so they can look at putting me on more Parkinson's drugs, what they still say is Parkinson's, which I'm not going to do. I'm not going back on anything like Cinemet or um, whatever it is they throw at me because um, I still have, I still know where this came from. I still know what I believe it is. And I still think they're not looking in that direction. So um, they just refuse to look in that direction. Um, I'm hopefully going to be trying um, ozone therapy so I can um, let you know how that goes afterwards. In fact, I'll take a lot of photos. And um, I'm going to try anything and everything else that I can without just wandering down that path of going, these guys are right because they're doctors and these doctors think they're God. Good for you. <laughs> I take it then since we spoke last that none of the medical community have actually acknowledged that your injuries could well be jab related, seeing they hit you like a freight train the very following day, uh, or are they still in denial? No, my doctor's been pretty good with that. So he's prepared to go down any path we can to look at whatever tests we could possibly do just to see whether it is one way or the other. I mean, like I said, for me, it's not. I'm not a virologist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. All I can say is I know where this started and it was one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, trying to get my, 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 say my doctor is looking at that. He's, he's pretty good. He is, he's, He's open to looking at it, but I can't say that he believes it, which is all well and good. I mean, I, I can't make the guy do that. I suppose not, but it's still hard to understand, isn't it? You know, it seems like such a direct link that it happened the day after and you were fine the day before. Well, it, feels, <laughs> it feels like for me, I've had 14 months of missed opportunity where perhaps they could have got on top of this and perhaps this could have been sorted out ages ago and, and even if it isn't this at least they could have given me the peace of mind of looking yeah but the respect. denial is horrible i think i'd say out of all of this it's the worst thing yes and that's something i've heard from yourself and a lot of people actually um that it's the denial that aspect of not being believed by anyone in the medical community that's actually one of the hardest aspects to deal with you know, so discouraging actually leaves some people in despair because they feel completely hopeless and alone. But, yeah. yeah. And you, you can't, it, none of us can say it, it is. I'd just like to ask the question without being looked at like I'm a raving lunatic or the yeah. whole, I'll roll my eyes because it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's actually the least you deserve, Barry. I mean... That's a tricky area, isn't it? You know, I mean, discernment would tell us that your injuries are very likely due to the jab because of the timing and the enormous amounts of very similar occurrences to what you've been through. But because the authorities say it isn't and because they won't allow the truth to become the official narrative, we seem to have a hard time giving ourselves permission, uh, you know, grabbing hold of that very much fact-based evidence and allowing ourselves to come to the conclusion that those, those facts are clearly pointing to. Evidence of unparalleled crime, um, you know, global democide. You know, the, the latest uh, New Zealand MedSafe report says we're up to 
65,000 jab reactions. Um, and they say only 5% re ever report their reactions. So if you do the maths on that, taking their figure of 65,000, that is 1.3 million people in New Zealand that could have been harmed alone. And then when you take into account those that were too young to receive it or opted out, it actually tells us that potentially at least half of the people in New Zealand that have taken the jab may well have been harmed by it. You know, personally, my opinion is that no one is going to escape unharmed. I mean, these figures don't take into account long-term effects, miscarriages, stillbirths, you know, infertility harm, uh, you know, renewal of cancers, um, just destruction of people's immune systems. You know, these are, these are numbers that will never be able to really be quantified or measured. Um, the amount of times now that I've heard medical staff who speak to me say, I can't say anything. But you have no idea of how many people who are like you exactly. who have been through the system that I've seen walk through the doors. Um, if you if you take half of that as truth, it's frightening. No, and how scared I... must they be to not be able to repeat that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, gosh, you know, lots of people have been saying similar things that they've been hearing similar things from nurses within the hospitals. But I can't help but think if it was fear that was keeping people silent, in particular our nurses, that eventually that continued expectancy that, that they participate in harming people would be enough to make them crack and speak. You know, um, sometimes I wonder if there are actually more people speaking up than we realise. Maybe they're not uh, being as silent as we think. Maybe they're just being censored. Um, you know, social media, it's obviously not been covered in mainstream media. Uh, we've had some people determinedly stand up and make sure that their voice is heard, but not enough. Um, I don't know, you know, is it fear? Is it pride, apathy? They just want to protect their income? I'd say it's a little bit of all of that, but could you imagine if the government decided that they actually wanted to come after you and then the government come after you on tax, they come after you on whatever, but they yeah. can come at you a hundred different ways. I'm not surprised people are scared or they're just scared that if they are the one that comes forward and not everybody else around them comes forward, then they'd be the ones that get stones thrown at them. I totally understand the fear. Yeah, well, I, well, I'm just glad that you came forward and it didn't make you. Yeah, and the more and more people that come forward, the more will. Yep. They can stop a trickle, but they can't stop a tidal wave. <laughs> exactly why I wanted to do it. And you know, like when we spoke the last time, I said that I, want, I wanted to make sure that what I did in my past was very evident. So when I did come forward, there was going to be no one that could go, yeah, but you did this. Mm. I'm very upfront and I'm an open book about what it is that I do and how my life is run. And I'm quite. I, I don't have any regrets with it. The only regret that I have, and the day that everything changed for me was on the 16th of September. The 17th of September, everything changed. And I don't care what came before that. I know what came after. Yeah. Not one single day in hospital for anything that was like, was medical. It was broken bones and boy stuff, but nothing like kidneys, nothing like heart, mm. nothing like nervous system. All of these things came after the shot. Yeah. The day after <laughs> it's not your imagination <laughs> no do you know the other thing that really made me distraught i got to see the the um the, the video of baby will when they came oh. to take baby will from his mother and father mm -hmm. i have never been so disgusted in my life and i cannot believe that a government or a country could allow that to happen there's just no words is there it's just deplorable i mean the government of the country and all of those involved in the health system I just couldn't believe what i was seeing but i could too you know i actually wasn't surprised it's how evil these times are you know yeah, well, but believe that was my baby i would have done jail time yeah 
I think I would have too. Uh, <laughs> but it's a really hard one too because Cole would have known that if he had responded physically, he wouldn't have been able to be present for his baby and his wife who needed him right then. So they have you over yeah. a barrel, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. But I do think we need to get off the barrel. You know, I think we do need to stand up and let the consequences be whatever they may be. Or it won't stop. In fact, they'll get more and more brazen and more and more criminal, and the consequences will be even more life and death than they are now. For example, that latest MedSafe report that I just mentioned earlier, there's the little matter of the 163 deaths, you know, following administration of the community vaccine. And of course, the next few lines dismiss them as not likely being related, but, but they are reported as following administration of the jab. And if we look at situations like your own, where your symptoms are dismissed as not having anything to do yeah. with the jab by the medical community, and also, for example, you know, Rory Nairn's death. I mean, the MedSafe report says they're still awaiting determination from the coroner on that one. So that puts a little bit of context in there in regards to those 163 deaths, you know. So, uh, and I'm interested, um, did your doctor suggest reporting, your, did he report your situation? No, no I had to chase it up and I made them do that. I put it on the okay. calm and I listened with MedSafe a couple of days ago, almost a week ago. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but you had to know about yeah. it and initiate it yourself, which was not how it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, no one else, no one else wanted, and I don't know if it's no one else wanted to believe you, they just didn't want to, um, didn't want it known does make you wonder how many others like yourself out there have not yeah. been reported because they didn't, you know, they haven't been believed or they didn't know about the reporting system or... Uh, but anyway, you did mention ozone and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, have you re received any other effective treatment from the medical community? From the medical system? Yes. Um, no, just about the, what they're, they're calling Parkinson's. Um, I have another heart MRI coming up. That's just looking for scar tissue from myocarditis. Um, other than that, no, not really. I, I, you know what? I can't complain in the medical system. They've been really good. Every single nurse that I ran across during my time in hospital was absolutely fantastic. Every single doctor I ran across was so. And I want to. I want to use. I want to. If I was going to get base with it, I'd say they were a bunch of wankers. And and yeah. And I can't think of any other thing to say. They were just wankers. <laughs> they were totally um, dismissive. They didn't want to listen to the symptoms that I described to them. They wanted to put it into a pigeonhole. Yeah. Um. So not really. But I have had what's been really great is the outpouring of people who watched um, what we did and who have come forward to help me, which um I'm, I cannot say, how grateful I am Excellent. for. That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of support for you, Barry. I, I haven't had a single bad message, not one. It's no. most any any message I've had have just been of support. It's been fantastic. Yeah. yeah, excellent. I think seeing someone as strong and healthy as yourself, basically brought to your knees, really hit people hard. You know. You know, don't don't judge a book by its cover. I'm a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, us women know that. It's usually that way with you, big burly guys. You know, you you're usually the biggest teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to hear. So uh, it has helped you to know that people do care about you and what you've been through. Yes, yes, it has. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really someone who generally cares a lot about other people's opinions, but when people come forward and they surprise you, and it surprises you in such a big way, I mean, that 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 makes my life, that makes me um, realise that there's um, more good people out there than there are bad. Yes, 
It's so easy at a time like this to think that the whole world is bad and everyone's bad because the evil is so overwhelming at the moment. But yeah, we have to keep reminding ourselves that actually the vast majority are really good people and the world actually is a beautiful place. It's just a small Absolutely. Group, you know, yeah, like, watching what's happened over the last few years and you see how people are waking up and rallying to that, it does give you some thought that we're um we're not particularly doomed. Yes. Yes, and actually, speaking of good people, um, that brings me back to the Truthathon where uh, Liz Gunn mentioned that she had been speaking to people who had had similar symptoms to yours, uh, particularly the tremors, and that they'd been testifying that they'd been having good results from ozone therapy. And you mentioned that that was something you'd be quite keen to try. Uh, it's like every second person to me now said, try ozone, see how that works that for right? you. And I literally, I want to be able to walk back into the neurologist's office after having ozone with no tremors and go, well, there you go. I've read a lot about it, and um, uh, and the, it it just sounds it sounds worth a try. Yes, I agree. It does. So anyway, as you're aware, Barry, Counterspin posted a link to a page that was set up to raise funds for this treatment, as it is very expensive. Uh, there were five donors, which is wonderful, uh, especially because one of them anonymously gave five hundred dollars or a hundred coffees. So I know that you mentioned that you were really moved and grateful for that. Uh, Matt, I want to say thank you. It's a shame it was anonymous. Yeah, yeah, and I'd just like to mention too now to anyone who's watching this that we haven't raised the amount that we actually need to access this therapy yet. So um, if you would like to help, please click on that link. Um, for Barry's Buy Me A Coffee page. It's only $5 for one coffee and even one would be appreciated but obviously you can buy as many as you like. <laughs> and in case you're not familiar with the Buy Me A Coffee website, it's basically a crowdfunding platform. It's got nothing to do with coffee and Barry won't be spending it on coffee, I don't think. <laughs> That's because my naturopath won't let me drink coffee anymore. She's got me on decaf now. <gasps> oh no. It's like living in hell. Oh, Poor thing. <laughs> I mean, as if things weren't bad enough. Tastes like muddy water. Yeah, I know. I don't even know why it exists. It shouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just want to reassure anyone who might be considering donating so that Barry can get this treatment, that every cent of all donations go directly into Barry's bank account. No middleman there, and also directly towards this therapy. And, I and if there's anything left from that, Sam, I'll fund that back into somebody else's um, ozone treatment. Yes. Oh, wouldn't that be great, Barry? Yeah. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, there's a great deal of love for you out there, Barry. Um, but friends, this is a chance to put our love into action and show Barry that we actually do care about him by helping him to get what he desperately needs. Sadly, there's no guarantee, is there, Barry, um, that this will work? But we have to try, don't you think? Um, exactly and... right, Sam. Exactly right. I, mean, I would document it all the way through. Yeah, and with your filming skills and experience, this could be a good thing. <laughs> and I don't know about you, Barry, um, but I think there's also a really important conversation to have at some stage, if you're keen, <laughs> about the effects of psychiatric medications. You know, you made a comment to Calvin and Hannah in the Truthathon talking about the attempt you made on your life that you didn't plan and don't remember at all. You said, get a second opinion about the medications that you're on. And that really stuck out to me because I can't help but wonder how many people are out there or sorry, who are no longer out there, sorry, who have ended their own lives due to these medications. You know, like you said yourself, you, you didn't plan it, you don't remember it. 
it was a drug-induced serious suicide attempt. I mean, at the start of this video, there's a photo of you lying in the hospital with visible ligature marks around your neck. This was a serious attempt. So do you think there's a conversation to have around that? 100%. I wonder, um, when you get to this stage where I was, where I literally didn't know uh, who I was looking back at myself in the mirror, um, I was so confused and so lost with this. And when I went to bed, it was just to sleep it off. And then I wake up in ICU 14 hours later after a suicide attempt where you don't remember anything. And then you get to talk to the psychiatric people and they're saying to you, okay, let's try and work through what happened to you. And you go, I don't remember nothing. Wow. I've got nothing in my head. So then they said, okay, let's go back into your past and we'll talk about what it was that could have potentially pushed you to the edge. The edge of yeah. what? Wow. I mean, it, yeah. you didn't hear the guy going, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be telling yeah. you. So then I get very confused when I'm talking to the psychologist, and I've never had one of those before. Perhaps I should have. <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 you know, you're digging into things, and then you start to bring things up from your past that are not necessarily any worse than anybody else has done in their life, and you start to manufacture the, that's what took me to the edge. Yes. Um, it's it's incredibly confusing. Yes, you know I, I heard about and I read this article about Robin Williams how um, he got diagnosed with something similar yes. to this, Trimism. and that he had taken his own life. And I, when I read the article, I got hold of the guy who wrote it in the states, and I said, "Do you know if he was on any drug that was like Cinemet or a um, companion of or made up of something like Cinemet? Because if he was, what's to say Robin Williams didn't just completely lose his track?" And he Absolutely. went into this state of anxiety where he couldn't get out of it on hallucinations, and yeah. that's what ended his life. Well, he had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's, so it sounds quite credible. I mean, it's an example of someone who was in exactly the same situation, who I, I loved as an actor, watching him just right. disintegrate. And mm. it, everything I heard from what happened to him sounded exactly like what I went yeah. through. Wow. So how many of them are out there being diagnosed as, as um, psychotic? or suicidal, who aren't. That's right. Now they're convinced they are. Yep. And it gets worse as the dose increases, and you don't think, oh, it's not medication making you worse, because you had a pre-existing thing. You it's can't distinguish between them. And you, then, you know what, Sam, what's really interesting? My wife said to me, she said, I'm on a thing called pregabalin right now. And I, I did my checks on pregabalin because I thought I'll never do this where I'll get on any medication ever again that I don't know something about. Mm -hmm. So it says it also creates anxiety. And when you come Gosh. off it, it can create more anxiety. So I'm on it for anxiety. And if I come off it and I'm anxious, is it what it was on to treat? Or did I just get all this new anxiety from another drug? Exactly. And then I'm like questioning what it's like. Yes. It's like chicken and egg. Yes. I've often thought that, you know, with medication that's supposed to help a person's mental state, they so often have a side effect of messing up their mental state. I was like, okay. Exactly. Bizarre. Chicken and egg. How do you know which one? How do you know now where you ended it starts? Exactly. I had a friend once who was not the kind of guy to ever take his own life. I mean, you know, seriously, he, he just wasn't. And I was, all of a sudden, he um, hung himself from his wardrobe door. He was feeling a bit down after a breakup, had some mild antidepressants for a while. After a while, complained that he was feeling worse you know, after starting to take them. And the next thing he took his life. It was just completely out of his character. He had big career plans. He was really successful. He had big life plans right around the corner. It just didn't make sense. Well, I can tell you something that's after that. 
and this is something I thought about really long and hard. Um, coming back from something like that and thinking and believing that part of you didn't come back. Um, and I'm, I, that's that's what I was on the drugs for was being was just absolutely losing it and having anxiety attacks and being now so drugged up that I don't know whether something got left behind. So I can't. I used to sit in front of the computer, and I, I'm I'm a screenwriter and I'm a novelist. I'd sit in front of the computer and I would work, and that was my happy place. I haven't been able to do that since um, I came out of the ICU for my suicide attempt. Really? Uh, it feels like I'm third person. So when I talk to someone like I'm talking to you about it now, it's like it's someone else. I don't feel like I'm involved in it anymore. I'm talking about Barry over there. So it feels like I've lost something in there, like something just did not come back out. Do you mean you feel like you're not really here or something? No, no, I'm here. This is part of me that's that part of that joyful part of me just gone. That's so sad. Um What's the medication you're on now, pregabalin or something? Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff. Pre, it's called pregabalin. It feels like someone's got a soda bottle and they're shaking the hell out of it and the caps have been put on top. But underneath it, you just feel like you're the fizzy inside and you're just getting more and more and more pressure build up and somewhere it's got to pop. Right. So I do not want to be on these things for too long. In fact, I won't be on them for too long. I hope not. I'm sure that part of you is still there, Barry. Still yeah, there. I want to see if yeah, I want to see if that's going to come back. I just haven't been off drugs for oh. so long that yeah. I don't know where it is. Yeah, because yeah, it's your soul. I mean, I don't know if you believe in soul, but this stuff can affect your mind and your neurons and your neural activity and all that. But hundred percent, I believe in soul. Yeah, and it can't kill that. Yeah, and I don't know if I told you this the last time too. I'd get eye twitches when I was on the um, yeah, Cinemet, and my eye would just twitch like crazy. When I came off the Cinemet, it disappeared. Now I'm on a pre and it's twitching like crazy. That's not good. Hey. Well, anyway, Barry, thank you for talking with me again. And I want to tell you again, I just so admire your selflessness and all of this i've seen how determined you are to do all that you can do even if it's just to help one other person as you've said from the beginning oh <laughs> uh, you know what i like so i think i said this at the beginning sam you you've got to speak your truth and one thing you have no control over after that is outcome so uh, all i can do is speak my truth and if the outcome is that i get people come after me i can't do anything with it like that i'm pretty sure that those people that come after me wouldn't do it face to face so <laughs> no no, I don't think they would, Barry. In fact, you have to remember, for every negative voice, there's a hundred people right behind yeah. you who who your wor words are really yes, helping. That is exactly what it's about. There'll always be haters out there, but you just got to not care. And just keep going, keep doing yeah. what you know to be right and true. Um, you, know, you could be curled up in bed in the fetal position right now. No one would judge you for that. So <laughs> you have my sincere respect, Valley. Belly will do. Uh, no, it won't. <laughs> Belly? What the? Hey. You have my sincere respect. And um, <laughs> I know that everyone working in Counterspin, uh, Liz Garn, anyone who hears your story would say the same thing. So thank you Thanks, so much. Sam. <laughs> and here's hoping that we make some progress towards getting you this treatment. Yeah? Thank you, Sam. All right. We'll talk again sometime. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks for chatting. Bye, Barry. Thanks again.